All right, Nick, whenever you're ready. Whenever <laughs> you're ready. That's when I said that. Take it, uh, take it away. What is good, everybody? We are back again for the Four Mandalore podcast, recapping season two, episode four of The Mandalorian. Guys, we've caught, we've got the siege on our hands today. As T Bob explained, the siege is, is kind of a misnomer for this episode, but we're gonna we're gonna hit it anyway. So, guys, a little less action packed the whole time, but still plenty of action. I think a little slow, more of a slow burn that we're getting this week, guys. Um, uh, by the way, I'm Nick. We've got T Bob. We got Jesse. Guys, let's start with T Bob today. T Bob, what did you what did you take away from this episode? Just big picture. Okay, so uh, big picture, I think that this episode did more than any that we have seen to uh, do one of the kind of core things that we've talked about. This show could potentially do, which is start to flesh out the the sequels, right, and start to flesh out yeah. uh, some of these characters that we've met in the sequel trilogy or kind of ideas we have in the sequel trilogy that uh, we've never seen anywhere else. Um, there's a ton of that in this episode that we'll get into, right? Whether it's uh, the straight up, it turns out they're using baby Yoda's blood to try to make a force powered clone, I would imagine. And it looks incredibly like Snoke is floating in a test tube or a, you know, something that would eventually become Snoke. Um, there's the X-Wing scene at the end with the captain whose name I'm blanking on, who we've met a couple times now, uh, where he is talking to Cara Dune and he's talking to Kreev Karga and being like, look, man, the core worlds, they don't get it. They're not out here. There's something going on here. Right. And that's kind of like the rise of the first order. Uh, when they break into the base on top of discovering the floating clone person, the, 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 these, these. Imperial troops at this point are so fanatic that the, their first thought is to destroy the computer station that they're working on. I tried to pause it to see what it was. It looked round. Maybe it was a Death Star. Maybe it was like something to do with Starkiller base. I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But, but this, more than any other, actually felt a bit less connected to Mando in many ways and more connected to uh, the Skywalker saga and and really star wars as a whole than than a lot of episodes i would agree with you in that we find out a lot more fleshing out the ideas that the sequels present like how does the first order get so big in the time frame that they do i think you get to see wait there's so many splinter cells and pockets that just never get dealt with i mean if there's this many guys on navarro imagine how many people there are in other well, also like let's get an idea of how big the first order actually is right because i don't know if force awakens necessarily does a a, a great job of that when we're talking about on a galactic scale numbers are always going to be bigger and yeah. and so yeah the like the the first order has an entire planet that's circular base and they seem like they had a huge army but is that really big compared to uh what the republic has at this point because it, this show is kind of making it seem like this is all happening under the shadows. It's a, it's it's a pretty interesting inversion of the Star Wars story we're used to, where the Imperials are the rebels at this point, and they're kind of furtively sneaking around in the background trying to build their plans. Jesse, what did you get out of this episode? I thought this was a uh, Mando returning home. You know, you needed it. We know we have a huge episode coming up. We needed to rejoin the old crew. The Razor Crest needed to get fixed. So this was one of those episodes where we're kind of going home. And then we we had this this kind of sneaky mission in there that unveils a lot of stuff T-Bob was just talking about and and kind of takes it a step further. They confirm Moff Gideon is alive. He is uh, you know on a collision course now, it would seem like. With potentially Ahsoka Tano, but uh, definitely Ma- Mando and uh, Din Djarin and, and some future bigger conflict at play. And I feel like this may be that last uh, respite episode before we really ramp it up into the final you know, few episodes of the season. Uh, I loved how much the town had been improved. I mean, Grief Karga and Cara Dune have done a great job yeah. of kind of building out this planet uh, making it, you know, Karga's a businessman. He wants to get this thing safe and happy and, and have tourists and 
and trade routes and all kinds of stuff in the outer rim. And he's a great inside. Well, he, yeah, no, he he knows he stands to make a lot of money, right? If he makes it into a safe enough spot so that it becomes that, you know, that cliche kind of port city, the, the, the port in the storm. Like if there's a, well, was he called the magistrate? Was that his title there? Um, I know that Karen Dune was the marshal. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. I thought he had like a strong, pretty strong uh, title there. And you're right; he's here to make some money. Carga, uh, Carga uh, is a businessman. Do we have any uh, idea I'll the be- amount of time that we're dealing with here? Because it's something I thought about a lot this episode. Because I actually think it's incredibly important when when you get to the cloning scene and the guys talking about running out of the supply of blood from Baby Yoda, and then you hear that that message is from three days previous. Like, I, I guess I'm just wondering how long has it been? Because Cargo's rise and everything on that planet makes you think it's been, like, you know, a pretty good amount of time. And right, if that's yeah. the case, how powerful is a very small amount of Baby Yoda's blood? I feel like they could have been coasting off it for a while, honestly. Because if you think about when they go into the, uh, the, the old bar, which they turn into the classroom, I feel like that, the amount of damage that got done to that place, like, with the whole... Like the walls getting blown off and stuff. Like I feel like that's not something that you can fix in a incredibly short amount of time. So I feel like they might have been coasting off that supply for a decent. And and that would speak to how we meet Mando and Baby Yoda at the beginning of this season, where it seems like they've been traveling together for a while now. Like they're pretty practiced yeah. in how used to each other they are. No, the town yeah. looked great. They had a statue of IG Eleven, kind of commemorating his heroic efforts right in front of the classroom. There was trade. There were tents. There, it, there was little farmers market. The uh, thing that I, I love about timer. IG Eleven statue is, even though it is IG Eleven, um, ultimately to me that even traces back to one of my favorite characters in all of Mandalorian, if not maybe my favorite, which is Queel from season one. Oh, right? Man. I mean, the, the baby carrier saved Baby Yoda's life last year with the Mama Core. You see. Uh, the the nurse droid who he programmed a statue to him because I always say them last season, like Quill's fingerprints are all over this thing. What an incredible chance meeting that was for Mando meeting this old, incredibly talented wise man. And, and it kind of set him down his entire path in a lot of ways. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love the little classroom scene and I love baby Yoda. You know, kind of sniping that kid's little macaroons. Uh, and I saw somebody on the internet was like, I mean, how do you say no to Baby Yoda? And I'm like, seriously, this kid. That kid he was, was cold like, He was like, fuck you, man. Yeah, he yeah but hey, but them he cookies are no. probably good, dude. Them cookies are probably really good. We never even tasted him. Like, like if that's your favorite, if that's like a warm chocolate chip cookie, some weird little gremlin gets set by me, I, I don't know if I'm giving him a chocolate chip cookie <laughs> off the bat. You can't just feed somebody's baby, can you? No, I mean I'm. In this, you gotta, you gotta protect your own. But I don't know that little hand, dude. When he reaches out with the little three fingers, I'd be, it'd be hard to say no. Like, take all of it. Get, take, take it all. Um. So, so I think you all have both brought up a couple things which I, I really enjoyed. Which the the classroom scene was just wonderfully peaceful and happy, like stuff that you just that that poor baby Yoda does not get to experience. Uh, enough and i love i mean i got i got a few thoughts on the music this episode because i thought it was really good but i love baby yoda scenes where it does have that magical john williams quality that was all over the classroom scene and then jesse you're you're also right man it was really nice i realized i didn't even realize how much i wanted it actually but mando's been like such a lone wolf all season like a stranger in a foreign land, I thought it was really nice to get him to see some friendly faces. Um, and it's it's funny that you bring that up because when he gets to the point where it's like no, where he 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 goes where I go, and then uh, griefs like no, like where we're going, like he can't go, and then you almost like as a as a viewer kind of accept it. That's something that I don't think you would have ever done. No, no, yeah, I mean that shows the trust, right? That shows the actual relationship there. Otherwise, he never would have. I actually thought I was going to end up getting Baby Yoda kidnapped, but Mando got back uh, in the end. Hey, hey, Jesse, do you think was the handshake with Mando and Carl Weathers a shout out to Predator? 
<laughs> I mean, they I highlighted I mean, the they highlighted the forearm grab in the same way. All it was missing was like, "You son of a bitch." <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was it was nice. It was it was nice. If it wasn't, it was to me. It it and it was really nice to have these, you know, these old two legends who have now like look at look at when we first meet them. They are just dirty bounty hunting greasy dogs. Now Mando's on like a high quest to restore this child to his people. And Grief Karg is like a successful magistrate building a trade empire. Uh they they've come up quite a bit since we first ran into them. No question. And and you know, I'm an eighties baby, so you know Carl Weathers has he's he's just done so much cool stuff. And to be yeah. This relevant, this late in his career, it really in a whole new, you know, excitement. You can tell that he's excited about directing this, oh, this episode, that he's excited about acting this character. He's become this character. Uh, you know, he's got a Lando Calrissian vibe as, you know, you know, the way he rebuilt Cloud City. He's just really, he's just a really cool character. And, and I love the way at the end, he never broke stride he wasn't telling that republic uh nah. republic police officer shit man uh -huh, uh -huh. no. it's and, in his best interest in the outer rim to be neutral right to to have everybody yeah, want to yeah. come through there absolutely so yeah. we get to the scene where we're, we're going into like the lava flats and i, I want to talk about kind of the the plausibility of this raid like do we really see this squad taking out an entire Imperial base. Like it just seems a little too good to be true. To so me. I, I, I will say this. I am a big believer in what kind of modern warfare is right. Not, not, not in terms of like, sometimes when the technology gets more and more advanced, like, like that, that eventually the weapons get strong enough where numbers don't matter. A, a highly specialized force matters. Right. And so kind of like we saw, uh, even more so what we saw with Bo-Katan and her crew, that is SEAL Team 6. Like, this is this is what they do. It is, it is easier for a group to infiltrate a base if you can, like, overload a computer system, right, to blow this base up. It is easier for four people to do that than 400, right? You seek 400 coming from a mile away, weapons are set. So, like, I actually, I, I found it to be pretty plausible how they took down the base, if it is very Star Wars. It's kind of what Star Wars has been doing since day one. It's like a small band of homies uh, getting the job done, finding a crucial weakness, and blowing whatever that shit is completely up to the sky. I, I would agree with that. It's very Star Wars, 100%. What did you think, Jesse? I thought it was, you know, it, it turned out to be a lab, so maybe it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, uh, imperial base in its prime no it's uh, not yes. it's definitely not a base in its prime yeah and they give you the uh you know they give you the still shot of the little the little uh, little tank car that kind of swat vehicle that empire swat vehicle when you go in there you knew for sure that thing was coming back out that thing is going to be a toy oh yeah uh yeah no i mean carl weathers I, he was he wasn't uh which i mean whatever it's, it's by design but i don't know if he was the most Subtle with some of his shots, like the shot of the mechanic at the beginning that looks back at them like, whoa, and then sure enough, that's yeah. the son yeah, of a bitch. Definitely no subtlety in that one. <laughs> that's the son of a me, me and my wife are like, oh, okay, bro, what's your deal, dude? What's up? No, Marie, Why are you looking at them Marie like and this, I said dude? the exact same thing like, to each other. And I liked how he clowned on there's like, you know, the, uh, the, there's no guardrails on the here when he's trying to get him to go there. You know, there's always been that knock yeah. on the Imperial, uh, <laughs> you know, engineering. There's not a damn guardrail in sight. Yes, uh, dude. No, there was uh so wait, what, what, that tank thing. What is that tank thing from? It, it, that's it, it was in rebels. I, that's what they were transporting Sabine Wren's dad in when they did that heist to kind of rescue him from his, you know, being a hostage by, by, uh, Gar Saxon, the um, the the shit. The the cool part of it was, I, I thought the kind of Mando kind of taken off shot of him going into the ravine and canyon, headed back to Baby Yoda was awesome. I thought the action in throughout the the canyon was a lot of fun. 
Uh, I thought grief was great, you know, kind of shooting. I thought it was a really good scene and it was action packed. And it's, it's exactly what we predicted and we thought was going to happen. They teased you with Ahsoka Tano the week before. We were going to get a respite, meet the old team. You know, the Razor Crest needed to get repaired. And then it just, th- this is the setup. This is the bridge episode, whatever you want to call it, to episode five, yeah. which they are creating. I'm this, thinking they're going to you know, do like a, a four-part movie almost, yeah. right? Like, like I mean, after the four-part movie that was the end of this most recent season of Clone Wars, I, I, I can't help but feel. I mean, they did. You called it last year, Jesse. They did a two-parter. Do you think they expand that to almost like a four-parter this time? Yeah, I think you're about to get a lot of main story action. I think you're going to find uh, you, we're going to get Ahsoka Tano live action, which just is, in itself is this moment years and years and years in the making. Cannot wait uh, for that. You called yeah, episode it's, it's, five from day one. Yeah, once you saw Filoni in there, you knew. It oh, was gonna that's be right. Him. It was the director tell. And, yeah, and they and he's not gonna, you know, this is his character. This is what he wants to bring, and he's got an actress who I think has been perfectly casted. Yeah, uh, I think she's got the the look. I think she's got the she's the right age. She's got she you know, she has the gravitas, the confidence, the charismatic yeah, like and, and je ne sais quoi that these the, like Hollywood stars have. Every time I Rosario Dawson, by the way. Yeah, and, and and Ahsoka, her fighting style is quick, dual wielding, fast, athletic, you know. Um, do you think it still I, is? What's that? Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day. Do you think it still is, or do you think she's gone more like name of the wind like Shehan, like the old woman in the village who it's like there's just no wasted motion look like I, has she ascended dude. to gandalf style or is she still this quick like because her dual fighting nature always to me spoke to her youth yeah and and i think she's still gonna be uh limber you know she's gonna have fluid fluid move, movement you know more flowing yeah uh but, you know, and we've already kind of talked about this, t so I'll just jump right in it. You know, if they're headed to some forest planet and we've got a Sokotano, like, galloping through the freaking <laughs> tree canopy with lightsabers, <laughs> you know, out, I mean, it's going to be incredible. I mean, is it, there just, is there a way, is there a shot in your brain, like, when you think about the first time you're going to see a Soka on live action television, do you have an idea of what you think that shot is going to be? Well, I think that you're going to see something or someone moving quickly through something, right? Um, and then as the as the crowd as the as the um, you know, the camera kind of pans in, then you then you start to recognize, or maybe you see the lightsabers gleaming from a distance, right? Maybe she's yeah. already got them out. I don't know, but I, I feel like she is going to be. We are going to have to see her use some of her you know her her skills we're going to see some 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 real wait you know lightsabers wielding force wielding that kind of stuff wait so what if when we finally meet her right mando hands baby yoda to her and then she just throws him over her shoulder i love last jedi for the record if this is your first episode ever listening but i couldn't i couldn't resist uh, <laughs> no it would be oh, gosh. no but i mean I, I do think that's after talking to so many people that were upset by that scene i feel like that's the that's how they felt about it right it would be the equivalent when they saw that, that's how they felt it was like it was like so Katano grabbed Baby Yoda being like, fuck this thing. Uh, no, that's a good comp. That's a good comp. I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I have a shot in mind. I, I'm wondering, do they go with like the combat save where they're in trouble and she rolls in and saves the day? Or the image, you, you mentioned Gandalf. To, we've talked about Gandalf multiple times. I, I wonder if we just meet her in this Gandalf the White, overly wise, like is she floating there and stones are all around her or something? Like I there's I'm fascinated to see how Floney wants to introduce her. Maybe what's more her humble. what's her age bracket at this point? Full adult. I mean maybe forties. Forties. Because I'm thinking 50s. if you're if you're like walking the line in between, you know, like forties to sixties, like that's a pretty big difference how they would like portray her. I don't think they're gonna go as like full on like old 
disillusioned as they did with Luke. I think it'll be no, more. No, yeah. No, she's in her. No, no. Okay. Yeah. So Jesse has made some very good points in the pod, which is that, um, and in talking in that, Jesse, she's at her prime, right? I mean, we are getting right. prime Ahsoka, and that's important. Why? Oh, man. Because we've never really seen that yet. We didn't get Vader live action in his prime. We we never really got Luke in his prime. Uh, this is a true, we are bringing this character all the way from when she is a toddler yeah. in this animated series, basically, to master force-wielding expert who is, who is face down and beaten and has plenty of pelts on the wall to be ranked as a top, you know, top five Jedi easily. Dude, I, uh, ironically, I mean, the only other person that we've seen go kid to adult uh, live action like that would be Anakin, right? Yeah, her that's all I can think of. Oh, guess what? Who's his pet? Who was his pet? That's what I'm saying. Her very master. Oh, I, I did think about this. You're right that we never got extended prime Darth Vader, but is Rogue One prime? No, no, because I guess that would have been New Hope Darth Vader at that point. It, it's never like, mind. yeah, it's like going directly into New Hope. Yeah, so no, never mind. But when you do see him, he is I mean, one of the most badass live action he, 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 scenes. The Rogue One entry is there. incredible. I mean, I think I, I can't remember a time in a theater where I have been my pulse has been pounding more than that one scene. Like that was art. I love that. Um, yeah, it, seems, it was completely badass. So speaking of Vader, let's just go here. I'll say this: when you see, and I know I'm jumping to the end of the episode here, but when you see Moff Gideon in this episode. I feel like they were definitely trying to give off Vader vibes, or at least it. I got hit with them hard. Um, I mean, like the, the smoke and on the ground yeah, and stuff. Yes, like for, the, for the first time, yeah. for the first time since I've seen him, the cape really stood out to me. His back yeah. is to us. It's his silhouette. He does that Vader hands on the hips thing. You know, that makes you look all big in the cape. He immediately yeah. hits that pose and like the smokes underneath. And I don't know. I know it's all black. I got goosebumps, dude. I got, I got you know, a little. It's got that door opening sound effect too that kicks it off. You know, it's like, you know how their door opens in Star Wars yeah. sound effect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you got those dark troopers, which, you know, I, I read about this, but these are allegedly another callback to video games. These uh these dark troopers that they've created. So these so these are these are gonna... were those were not robots. Why did they look like robots to me? They looked like they were either suits of armor, empty They're suits from of armor, these knights or robots. Of Old Republic like knights or uh, well, old school video game. Maybe well, what... even some Kotor stuff. But they're these dark troopers. Uh, what I read that, that from robotic. And this is a quote from Space.com. Um. They originated in the 1995 game Dark Forces, which oh. saw the Empire attempting to create a legion of deadly droid soldiers okay, in droids. the Dark Trooper, Trooper Project. But some variants even featured Beskar-beating, force-wielding exoskeletons. Yeah, well, like, oh, like so them. there you go. Okay, they looked like exoskeletons to me, actually. I was Shadows drinking droids and exoskeletons. One of those games. With Dash yeah, Rendar that, that on N64? Is it Shadows of the Empire? Know. Uh, well, whatever. Um, but okay. So I guess my final answer would be those are exoskeletons. Because I didn't think they fully looked like droids. It looked like suits of armor to me at the end of the day. So Beskar. I'm, I'm looking at the. Beskar I'm looking at how they lined up. It says Beskar beating specifically. Yeah, it said that. Um, that's what space.com says, and right under that quote, they have a picture of like the armory room, and I agree with UT Bob. It kind of looks like the head part is like. On a mannequin. Separated from the body part. Yes. So does yeah. that mean that, I mean, this is a direct threat to the Mandalorians then? Oh, yeah. yeah. If, if sure. they can beat Beskar, he's, yeah. He's gearing up for Bo-Katan too. I mean, yes. it's not just, uh, we're we headed for a, you know, Bo-Katan's in the, you know, the, like they say in Wheel of Time, you know, the, the wheel weaves is the wheel, the wheel. The wheel wills, yes. and they're all coming together here. You know, uh, Bo Katan, Moff Gideon, Mando, Din Djarin, uh, Ahsoka. I don't think Sabine will be here because I just don't think that they could have kept a casting of that magnitude quiet. You know, uh, once Sabine, I'd love to be shocked, but I think you're going to get all Ahsoka in the next in the next uh, episode. 
So Guys, you think is we season see her two going on? to give us? Sorry, sorry, Nick. One, real quick, do you think you see her early on yeah. in the episode? Just oh god, I think so. I think so. Okay, like it, it's an hour long, right? So like first, first fifteen. Yeah, I All think right. you get her early. I think you're going to get her early because they've done that with her in the past, and then she, she kind of, you know, she, they, you know, like in the Rebels crew, they, they realize it's Ahsoka, and then they have these like, you know, catching up, uh, like like you say, those respites from the uh, from the journey where she'll kind of catch up with the, with the crew or catch up with uh, Mando or Dinjarin, and we get a lot of exposit, we get a lot of dialogue, we get a lot of explaining. I think we're getting a lot of regardless if she shows up early or not, I, you're going to get a massive story move forward episode, yes, right? Like, yes, yes, uh, 100%. Uh, Nick, what yeah, were you, what were you saying? What were you asking? Well, I was just wondering, because the conversation we just had in the Dark Trooper realm makes me wonder, are we going to see the most big world implication moments in this season of The Mandalorian, or is there going to be more after this? Because I mean, the way that Jesse was laying it out, it really makes me feel like there's going to be some seminal moment coming relatively soon. Or no, I, I think guess there you could will be. I think there will way. be huge moments, but I think that there are, you know, the amount of huge moments that they could tell is just is 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 literally up to them, right? They, the pace of this show has been a slow burn, and yeah. it seems like there's a lot of passion behind this show. I think when you go eight episodes and you don't strike a hard and set fast length for each episode, I think you're really allowing creativity to flourish, right? And so with that in mind, especially for these hyper creatives that just work 24-7 like a John Favreau and a Filoni, like, I feel like eight episodes, I feel like that's a pace that they can keep up, right? And the the directing's dynamic. Everybody wants to work with Favreau. Everybody knows directors love successful projects, right? They want their names to be emblazoned. They want to get credit. They want props, right? And like something like The Mandalorian becomes very attractive from that sense. So if they wanted to, I can't pretend to know what their intentions are because everybody in this is so kind of big time. But if they wanted to, yeah, they they have. I mean, they could mine this thing for a long time. Look at like clone wars or rebels like yeah you you be talking about like five six years uh of 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 show if if they want that now Filoni's also right. in a good job of knowing when he wants to end things so we would have well, to the see. x factor for disney plus and all this is all these spinoffs man that, that they have opened up this whole new realm of tv production where yeah. you've got an obi-wan solo series out there you've got uh rumored bat Bad Batch series. You've got Ahsoka Tano being introduced in the Mandalorian, and I'm not sure the Mandalorian's going to be her her vessel. I mean, she may get her own show, right, or her own storyline. We still. I wonder. You know, still I, 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 I think. I think Ahsoka's probably. I think the Mandalorian is her vehicle. I'm. I'm, I'm just thinking is, with the general public, is, and, I'm, if, and I'm okay with that, and I'm totally okay with that. But if it is, that means it's the Rebels crew that's going. You know, there's a whole. Um, you know, Ezra Bridger finding him, mission thrawn. You so, know, maybe Moff Gideon, maybe Moff Gideon isn't the big enemy, bro. Maybe the big enemy of the Mandalorian that we're building upon is Thrawn. I mean, you that, know, if we're thinking, oh, that, well, but but, oh. but but so, but isn't it, isn't in my opinion, though, it feels like it's working now. Maybe Thrawn ends up being a key role in here, but it all feels like it's leading to the first order, right? Um, which and this is again why okay and let's go ahead and bring this up now then this is again one of the i mean i think the singular weakest part of rise of skywalker is bringing palpatine back and this is the reason why i should be very excited about who's the big secret bad behind all of this but i already feel that it's just palpatine and he's creating Snoke. And like the thing that we saw that this episode was the thing that I saw in Rise of Skywalker. And and I do like the depth. Don't get me wrong. I like the depth that is added to the sequ to the sequels. Like I really liked the X Wing. I've liked all the X Wing pilot stuff in this because it shows the the Republican in a position of power, which is something very new. But 
I I'm worried. Um, I don't want them. As a, as, as Jesse so eloquently put it, I, I don't want them trying to polish the rise of Skywalker turd. Right? I don't want them to like ignore the own incredible storylines that they have, trying to justify some things that may or may not. Um, be, be good story decisions, whatever. I mean, whatever. It, g- trying to frame it objectively like that, like good or bad story decisions is dumb because it's whether you execute it or not. In my opinion, they did not execute the Palpatine stuff. And, and ultimately, I just don't like Palpatine coming back because I feel like it invalidates like the original trilogy. And even this now, I feel like it's a little bit of the tension is gone. Like what if we were really wondering who was uh, behind this all? I, I don't know. Now I'm rambling. What, what, what do you all think? I think I really couldn't agree with that more personally and i don't think until you just put it like that just now i that i realized how much of a bummer palpatine in nine actually was like i don't think i really framed it in my head enough but like put it in context with a series like this it really well like what is what is what does luke's what does vader's sacrifice mean what does luke's triumph mean even though luke's ultimate triumph is finding a completely peaceful way to defeat the first order Therefore, distilling the Jedi to their most pure form. But, like, what did the original trilogy mean when Palpatine just lives and is still the puppet master? I mean, dude, like... What do you think, Jesse? (laughs) Oh, you're muted right now. I think... Yeah, I'm taking it off. I think that... I think, really, first and foremost, we have to trust in Filoni. We've got to trust in this dude. You're right. This guy knows what he's doing, because I'm with you. I don't want them to just go in here and try to... We've put the Skywalker saga to bed, man. We can use it to interweave and add some some gravity to yes. to the storylines of Mandalorian. But, you know, I don't want to go in here down the Palpatine train. And that's why I think, I forget which one of you mentioned this earlier, is, you know, what is the size of the First Order? I, we don't know how big the First Order is, man. Yeah. It may not, you know, you could have these... You know, Moff Gideon over here in the Outer Rim. You could have the First Order over here on the core world. Yeah, it's like warlords. When an empire breaks up, there are multiple warlords that generally assume power in various regions. Well, and Din Djarin says that himself whenever he's talking to uh, Frog Lady in uh, episode two of the season. Um, What's he wait? What's he say? He's like, you got to watch out around these parts. In the you you can't go around here. Uh, without hyperspace because of the warlords and different things. Man, I, I think that we've got a, I thought we had a great episode in terms of the respite, getting the crew together. The Razor's Crest looks never looked better, even though it's got a freaking track and beacon on it, but we needed something to bring them all in together. Uh, okay, we, okay, 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 okay. Hold think- on, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, sorry, Jesse, go, you, you go first. Do you think that Mando and Ahsoka are ultimately going to team up and or is this going to be like she's in for one episode and then you know kind of you know, the way she would do in Rebels she would just kind of come back intermittently where she needed to kind of help the crew or do you think they're going to team up so the, the comeback you, go, go, go ahead Nick I think if you frame it like that then kind of what is our dynamic because we know Mandalorian is supposed to deliver baby yoda to ahsoka right that's like why he's going over there and like he says like once i do that my mission's going to be done but it seems like the the focus of the mandalorian the series is not necessarily on din Djarin as much as it is kind of on baby yoda and his destiny now so i think if and of course this could all get blown up in episode five and the handoff to ahsoka doesn't go well and, and you know nothing happens right but if she gets out of this series for a little bit then what do we do no, well, well, really well, I... well. So I don't think though that the mission is really to give it to Ahsoka. I think that they don't know it, the mission is to return Baby Yoda to its people. Uh, the only clue that they have about Baby Yoda is that he is a Force wielder, and they know of like you know this zealot sect that we now know is a zealot sect of this Mandalorian society. You know, the the blacksmith had heard of force wielders, you know, knew they were Jedi. So Jedi is like the first clue in what ultimately is one of the biggest Star Wars mysteries of all time, right? Like, it it blew my mind when this series started to learn that we do not know Yoda's home planet name or his species name. Am I wrong there? That is correct, right? 
I mean, yeah, as far as yeah. I knew, yeah, you're right. So is yeah, that so? Yeah, like in my mind, done. that's where yes, exactly. And I, I feel like that's where this is leading. Like Ahsoka is a stop along the way, and I think that they team up as long as they have common goals and you establish relationships to float in and out in the future. I don't think she goes full Gandalf, where she's just like always returning the exact right time to save the day. Um, but I never, I don't think that she becomes a day to day part of the crew either. Well, I, I guess I didn't really think about that. I thought it was more because, because he, he, I feel like Mando framed the Ahsoka meetup as the stop to where it, he would it, finally what, get to I think, I, th- I think it's what he thinks it is. Sorry. I, I think that is what he thinks in my, I, I'm just saying this, this has always been my interpretation that he's just a bit misguided there. And that he thinks, well, I think Jedi. It, and maybe I'm I wrong. Like maybe, maybe it is the Jedi. Maybe it is the Jedi because he's a force wielder and Ahsoka could be like, oh, yeah. Or maybe, God, big brain time. Maybe this leads <laughs> to Luke Skywalker's Jedi school. And then Baby Yoda's oh, in training dude. with Kylo Ren. And, no, I mean, that won't happen. But I mean, could, right? so I mean, Luke, crazy. Could, I mean Luke's, Luke's out there, dude. Luke's out there. It could lead to a freaking Jedi temple. I mean that's one thing that that's one thing we haven't gotten yet, and Filoni in both Clone he Wars loves and, the Jedi uh, Temple, dude. He loves the Jedi Temple. He loves the the Sith planets, you know, the holocron stuff. And so I'm, um, you know, it, it may not be so far fetched that he ends up in some kind of, I don't know, temple. Down okay, the line. so uh, and and I do think that I want to circle back to some of like this episode lately, but we're having such a fun kind of big picture talk right now. Do you think, because one of the biggest gripes of Star Wars fans right now, so I, I talked to a lot of people at The Last Jedi, right? I talked to a lot of people that hated The Last Jedi and in the intervening years still don't enjoy it, but it seems like the majority of time when I talk to people, they're like, I don't like the movie, but I actually do like Luke's story. Uh, or, or, or at least they've accepted it in, in that you meet Luke at this point in his life, right? But what they're still pining for is a superhero Luke Skywalker, a young Luke Skywalker on swashbuckling adventures. Does Mandalorian ever touch this or any live-action Disney Plus stuff? I mean, if you're trying to flesh out the sequels like you did the prequels and add depth there, do you think they ever go there? I just don't know if you can make it feel real because I just don't like we had that part in nine where they animated Luke and Leia again. And, and no, I really wouldn't be Mark that. Hamill. Wouldn't it be Mark Hamill. It, I, it would it would have to be a different actor. It'd have to be like solo well, or 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 it could be in an animated series I or mean, an animated series. Yes, with, that's what they've got now with with the merger of disney and lucas arts and now favreau from the marvel you know he's a major marvel creator they've got these in, they've got an endless resources and then you know endless possibilities i don't think it's beyond us to to see luke skywalker in his prime on tv right uh, you know, I, where we, I wouldn't, I wouldn't we got think it, so dude we got it with anakin in the clone wars we but, got it with Mace Windu in the Clone but, Wars. But but also, do you do you Luke is the golden so goose? Such a you big don't do story. that animated. Yeah, I mean, you do that in live action. What if at like the end of a Mandalorian season, you saw like an arm come in the shot and fucking Luke's lightsaber fired up? Oh God, I need to fire up a new pair of shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just man. I don't know how you do him do him justice when you've seen Mark Hamill you as put a kid him, in the seventies and you see him, him as an adult. You put you put somebody in that badass black Jedi suit from Return of the Jedi and have him out there just doing badass missions. All right, but look, this is not okay. Him. This is no no not Mark Hamill. Not Mark Hamill. You gotta take a risk. You gotta take a risk. You're never you can't turn back the clock. And live action Luke Skywalker can't be done. Like, I mean, done for. Okay, what if this is all going to flesh things out and Taika Waititi is the one who brings live action Luke back? No, Lord, now we're going off there. We can't, the, we can't, uh, we can't. The Skywalker saga is over. I'm sorry, Wars I'm getting sucked conspiracy in. Hour. I'm getting sucked I mean, in. This is, all right. But that's the best part about an episode like this because it was very much, very much kind of a side mission, rinse and repeat. 
deal that we've seen with with Mando, you know. But but Save one that town, but one that like we said though has a just an unreal amount of sequel connections, right? Like yeah, like, well you've got the you got that doctor again. He's got the Camino patch. Yep. You've got the. Uh, and he Vader. ties back to the okay, so let's, as well so let's, by mentioning So let's talk count. about that. Let's talk about that. Yes, let's talk about that. Nick, you start. What did you think about the doctor tape that they discover in the Imperial base? I think that th- they reference back to the prequels by saying his M count, you know? It's midichlorian. Count. I mean, it's got to be, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no other There's no other way thing it could be. I just, I don't know, like... I don't know what they do from here because it's just it feels to me like it's having a hard time phrasing this. Jesse, can you take over? I well, I think I, well, if, if, if you're anything like me, it's it is a bit frustrating because I don't feel like there's mystery there because I think I just saw Snoke in that tube. Uh, but does that mean that they? I, I couldn't get tell what it was. Baby like, I personally didn't. Did you think I it was think Snoke, every, Jesse? I don't think it. I don't know. Like, I, I can't, I'm kind of like Nick. I couldn't tell, but it's definitely a throw to the rise of Skywalker and to the cloning and research and all these things going into cloning and and cloning uh, people with force sensitivity, right? Which Using is actually kind of like a cool idea. That is actually kind of a cool idea. I think. Dude. I mean, I look, I'm not sure that we, that we don't have baby Yoda go full Sith at some point. I mean, he's got to have some seeds, of the dark side in him. The, uh, we've already seen him, but do the force choke, but you know, he's been through a lot. I think what they're trying to do, though, it's like you said earlier, you know, you don't have to polish a turd here, guys. But can you kind of tie a little, tie up a few loose ends, do a little... Uh, well, give it depth. You know. Give it depth. The sequels felt very shallow, right? It, they did. Like, they did. The original trilogy had depth through its, like, beautiful art design and lack of explaining things, right? So the original trilogy, you're like, oh, this world feels lived in. This is real. Um and Clone Wars added a lot of depth to the exactly. original trilogy as well. Well, we'll note in the, the prequel. Uh, oh, yes, the original for sure. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, the, absolutely, the, yes. The, but the, uh, the prequel is Sith just on its own, Revenge of the so, Sith. So, okay, so, so that's where I think this, is, this gets interesting, right? Star Wars gets released, the original trilogy, and it is this unknown. And so they just they, they do this incredible world building where they just don't explain things and it all feels so real, then you're there. Then Lucas takes a huge chance and tries to get pretty complicated with the story, right? A lot more things playing, a lot more dynamics at play. Didn't necessarily play well in the movies. The Clone Wars comes along. It actually fleshes out to where now the movies are like markedly better if you know the storylines before. And then so trying to avoid the mistakes of, you know, the prequels, I feel like the sequels went so far the opposite direction where they're like, we're going to go as black and white as possible and ultimately, that just doesn't work as well as it did in the original trilogy because we know so much more about Star Wars now. I think you're craving a little bit more explanation. Yeah, and, with that. and you're all – people are going to love – they love – they're going to love the Mandalorian plot lines. It's kind of like Roman uh, Empire type stuff, and I think we're headed for – Mandalore, right? We are headed for the bigger picture of maybe retaking the homeland, um, uniting the clans, you know, all these things for a bigger battle, some bigger thing down the line. Um, and I, I don't know if Moff Gideon is the end all be all villain, or is he kind of, uh, you know, how the first Inquisitor was for the first season of Rebels ah, when there's. Yeah, he, he did. That's so. That's, I never thought about that with Rebels, dude. That was like the main bad guy, and then he just got gotten. That was it. Well, and at the end of the day, the real guy, big boy. Or no, was it moved Vader. up. Yeah, it moved up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it went to Vader. And so I think uh, we may be headed there. I mean, they're already starting to film season three of The Mandalorian. Uh, oh, really? You know, one thing I did think about another big picture. Also, thing. I'm an idiot. Star Wars always has somebody higher up. That's like the best part about it. But sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah no, they, are, <laughs> they do. And I think you could potentially get an Ahsoka Obi-Wan reunion in Obi-Wan's little standoff, uh, standalone series. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's you got to have that. I mean, this girl, she hasn't seen him. They went through a lot, man. I mean, they banished her from the Jedi uh, 
council yeah. when she was the most Jedi one of all the sons of bitches, you yeah. know, yeah. Uh, at the right at the height of their pride, they expelled her from the Jedi order, like a bunch of dumb fucks. I mean, man. she, and then, uh, and then the last, the last episodes of this new Clone Wars season just reinforces that, right? The Mace Windu scene where doesn't oh, she, yeah, doesn't right she there. know? Okay. You, you remember an idea. Ex- explain it. Well, that's when she was going to say something. And, you know, Yoda is looking at her, Mace Windu, you know, and it would have, but it would have like, she would have said something that what, like connected the dots to, no, she would have said that Palpatine is freaking, uh, Darth Sidious okay. and that he's making Anakin his next apprentice. I mean, the, the you know, uh, Maul told him all of it, you know, told yeah. her everything. She didn't want to believe it. Uh, but she still, you know, it still resonated with her. And then Yoda, you know, he waits after and it's just her and him and that hologram and he's looking at, you know how Yoda can just look at you with this piercing eyes, just wanting you to say stuff. Oh. And then, uh, and then she doesn't say anything in that moment could have changed everything. Well, no, uh, remember Mace Windu, she's about to tell Mace and Mace is like, uh, Jedi, is Jedi business sings. only or something. Jedi's only. Yeah. She has Jedi business. Oh, only. oh but and then, then, then Yoda the, way around. Yes. Okay, he's yeah, the one yeah, that sorry, sends, yeah. he's the one that ultimately sends Anakin, uh, you know, or tells Anakin that he sets up the he, he fucks everything up. Two. Mace Windu fucks everything up. He sends Anakin to yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we we've got a timeline now of of four episodes left. We have what we are anticipating to be a huge episode. This massive character reveal, bringing Ahsoka Tano just fit. Like I want to talk a little bit about physically what she's going to look like, right? Like and and what's her music going to be and you, you, you've got to be thinking that they have, you know, they have gone over this like a fine tooth comb. It's like, uh, you know, Lin-Manuel, he, when, when he wrote Hamilton, he spent, you know, I think years and years and years writing it. And he, you know, cut it down and trimmed it to everything. I think that's the way they're, that, that Filoni is looking at um, is Ahsoka. I mean, this, he's bringing his Hamilton, his major creation to the table. And and do y'all think that he's going to pull it off? I mean, I I do absolutely. What do y'all absolutely. think? Yeah, hundred percent, dude. I mean, Mando like, Mando yeah. hasn't missed yet. Well, I, I I mean this this whole this whole series to me, I, I haven't been disappointed in any tournament. To be honest with you, I, I I even if they take it in a direction that's controversial to me, I don't think they could really mess it up. Well, Jesse, yeah. I think you said it best earlier when I uh, was kind of getting a little worried about trying to justify maybe someone like Rise of Skywalker's decisions and what he said that I trust in Dave Filoni and I fully yeah, subscribe to that, that theory. He has he okay. is the truest lore master. He has the deepest understanding of Star Wars of I think anybody in the modern day. Which sounds crazy. Like even though he always pays deference to George Lucas, I would argue that Dave Filoni actually has the biggest um intuitive grasp of star wars the universe its fan base is everything so yeah i i, I trust well, him he's floating. probably played all the content man he's played all the video games and done all the comics and read you know what i mean all yes. of these these really lucas is the original creator but Filoni is this creative that grew up in that world that lucas created right it's like anything else in life you then take it like almost like one step uh further right it's 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 it, it builds on top you know it, it who was who's a philosopher that said like you know I've, I've learned so much by standing on the giant you know on the shoulders of the giants who came before me that's how it works and you're seeing a little bit in the in the star wars universe and i'm not saying that feloni's going to change like you know movies in the way that lucas did or anything like that but just in terms of pure star wars this feels this all feels yes, like feloni taking the baton and just and running with it. I think above anything else, I can say with zero hesitation that this series has earned the benefit of the doubt in any scenario that they pose. And and that that's just a credit to how great this whole experience has been so far. Uh, okay, yeah. so so uh, Jesse, uh, do do you have something you want to say before I, I got a, I got a couple No, go ahead. Okay, so Circling back, we had 10 minutes left here. To this episode, there are some things that I just want to mention on the pod um, that I've written down. The speeder bikes launching 
after the tank flies off, like when the tank flies off the edge and the speeder bikes just go to chase it down. Dude, that was the best shot of the episode. Yeah, that was awesome. Fucking no, that was no, incredible. Dude, that was incredible. Fucking no fear. You remember those? Like, I'm a child of the 90s. Whatever that no fear brand was, I felt like those stormtroopers should have had that shit slapped in their back because they're not even skilled. Like, two of them immediately crashed and killed themselves, but they were like, fuck it, let's do this. And just fucking cruised right off, dude. Fulking they were stone cold, bro. I, I, I loved watching them get into that. Oh yeah, it looked like uh yeah, I don't know if you ever seen these old like skiing or snowboarding videos where these <laughs> they've got these really big drops and you're just looking over the top. These dudes are on like you know, think of these guys on like snowmobiles just going right over the top. Yes. And dude. they were that was very cool. And it was definitely dangerous. You know, they they Yeah, two, two of them of died were, like, immediately. Smashed right in. <laughs> But know, like, the yeah, they just day. die. But there's like dead. Dude, but there was no. <laughs> I mean, mean stormtroopers, dude. Stormtroopers are the Chris Farley of this show. They are physical comedy. They are they're they're the best, dude. Like, but they 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 pay full commitment, man. First, and that's order. why I think they're introducing the dark trooper. We've got to add some. We, we're gonna have to. There's about to be some real threats here. There's yeah. gonna have to be some real threat of death. Real threat of bodily harm. Uh, and, and they've been teasing the shit out of us with a Yoda kidnappings. I think eventually the uh, he's going to land in, in somebody else's hands at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, really, you're right. They've had way too many instances of them like almost losing baby Yoda or like like that. That has got to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I'm one thing I'm dreading. I hope they don't do this. But if they do that shit at like the end of episode eight and just cliffhanger the oh, shit out of you until the third season, oh, <laughs> oh, no, you know, you'd just be like, no, they're totally going to do that. Shit. They're like absolutely going to do that shit. So, Oh man. I mean, I, I, I would say I, that does feel like exactly what a TV show would do normally, but, yeah. but Filoni does approach these things. He, he loves the end of a season to have a good, finality to it. it like like last week like like if you watch the last two episodes of season one that feels like a really fun mandalorian movie to end your adventure um other things i can't wait you know I, I can't wait i can't wait for ahsoka to see this little baby yoda so that's that's what i'm wondering right does she tell mando that she's not his people he has to move on does she send him to a Jedi school, Luke's way? Does she say, I will train him? I'm with you, man. I have no idea what's going to happen. No, I don't know either. And that, But I think the initial moment of her seeing this. Oh, because, and she, then, because she knows Yoda, obviously. Wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Holy shit. Yeah, that is going to be the like one of those kind of, you know, our boy, uh, the, our, our musical producer is going to really hit the high note on that one. Gorenson, you know, dude, the which he's just legend. been really good. By he the way, great again in this episode. The, the Western themes when they roll back in on Grief's Town are it's. I mean, it's as Western as it gets, and it also had a little Top Gun mixed in there as well. When I felt like they were yeah. doing like the Predator you know, handshake. We, you know what like, we haven't done? We haven't given Cara Dune her. <laughs> she was completely. Uh, you know, first entry scene, we get another like ferret meerkat animal. We got tons of new animals. They're always coming up with a new uh, Star Wars animal. But she comes in, she kicks the shit out of those guys in the uh, in the armorer's old 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 little hangout, and she ends up the marshal. So we've got and she looks you know, dude. I mean, second marshal again. Her real life UFC experience. She just looks so badass, kicking people's ass. That like uh, jumping arm bar or whatever she hit that dude with. I love that. Thing. Oh my god, that thing was so. But that's sick. that Dark Knight. You know they made Christian Bale was a, did a lot more of that with Batman. Um, These, uh, no, but hold on. So I, a couple of thoughts on care, dude. First off, she straight up looks like she's from Gears of War. She, I mean, so the Unreal Engine, how they animate Gears of War, Marcus Phoenix and his boys, dude, they they look, they're just so super jacked, huge, chunky armor. She's like that, but in real life. I've never seen anything like it. She looks like a beast. And she's cold, dude. Like you said, Jesse, she kills an entire room of people, and then she's like, doesn't think twice about it. She grabs the shit she came from and just walks out. Well, she's a child of war, man. I mean, she's just been in war. So was uh, you know that's child of Alderaan, about. bro. Lost 
Everything. I know. And these characters that we're getting, we're getting these, you know, post, you know, Empire folks like Ahsoka. She's a child of war. Cara Dune, uh, Mando, Bo-Katan. We are just seeing all these these folks that have just, their, their whole life has been this, uh, you know, just survival, fight to survive. And she exhibited that very strongly. She kills all these dudes. And I think she's like eating an <laughs> apple or something afterwards. She's like going through yeah, the stuff. No, she's like, she's like, she like gets the stuff and then she's just like playing with the ferret. <laughs> like, hey. Or feeds the ferret. <laughs> yes, she feeds yes, it or something. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, and then that that cop at the end, the uh, the, the new okay, Republic okay. So that's what I was guy. gonna say, dude. Does Cara Dune end up becoming like a badass First Republic leader at some point? It feels like it, dude. I mean, they're setting it up. It's got. She certainly has the 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 Han Solo. Hey, you know, you don't have to join, but if yeah. you do, you know, you're here. Which uh, it's kind. It, it is was, kind of ironic. She says I'm not a joiner, but then wasn't she like a super badass shock trooper? Back in the day, yeah, like oh, a drop yeah. drop trooper was her title. Yes, drop trooper, shock trooper might be stormtrooper. But yeah, that. So I mean, what's that badge that he hands yeah, her at the end? Do you have any ideas? Or I don't know what that is. I thought it was like the rebellion, kind of like like it was. Logo. The, it was the rebellion uh, logo for sure. That kind of tri-horn like looking a, thing. It may have been like a badge. It may have been, you know, how they tried to. You know, recruit wide herb sometimes. You throw the badge and the gun and say, you know, whenever you're ready. Uh, she definitely contemplated, you know, she started feeling as he started. That's probably what out, it was. You're right. Some... It's Western. It was wide herb. That's what it was. It was like, hey, if you want to go legitimate, like, let me know. She... I think that's a really good idea as to what it could be. I also am hearkening back to KOTOR in the Sunry trial portion of the Manon mission. Where they find uh, Sunri's war medal on the murdered girl's body, I think it might be uh, some kind of medallion that she won from her service in the rebellion, and he's trying to harken back to like her heartstrings and get her to think about the good times. That could that could absolutely I'm for, be. It. I'm for that for sure. I think it could be that. As a, what it is is it's a call to arms. It's a you know yeah. Either way, yes. either way, yeah, yes. yeah. And I think another thing, uh, they've got to be having some staffing issues there. They could probably use the level of talent that she's got in the uh, oh, New absolutely. Republic. You know, it's a what do they say? It's 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 easier to win the throne than it is to keep it. You know, yeah. when, you know, you you win the war, then you turn around and. You know, what do you do next? Yeah, now, now, well, okay, so that's so okay, so that's something else that I love about this episode is this idea that the empire is now sneaking around and trying to hide out and plant stuff. It, it is an inversion of what we know, and like, and and I love Force Awakens, right? But I don't know if Force Awakens made it feel like the First Order was like, like I don't know when, when y'all viewed that movie. Did y'all feel like the First Order was in control, or the or the Republic was in control? The First Order, to me. Yeah, First Order was the main threat. Um, they had no, um, I mean, Leia was like a puny little whittled down ship by the, you know, by the, that was like the last of the rebellion. They ended up having to, you know, send out some distress calls. So, yeah, universe. so like, so like, if they, so, well, okay, but that is after the First Order destroys the Republic, though, right? But I mean, I guess it's all the same time period because, as I said, it starts like a day after Force Awakens. So, I, I, I We'll see. Right now, it's not big, at least. Not not Moff Gideon's squad. I'll be interested to see what they know, but I did enjoy, like I said, the inversion of the Empire. Yes, his yes. His starter story. Wait, what do you I don't think I actually remember it. Dude, yeah, he's got some cool ass starter story. You remember when it comes entering in? Uh First of all, I think just Star the Star Destroyer entry scenes are incredible. <laughs> uh, every last one of them, you know. I mean, they're just the underbelly shot of them coming on. He's got a he's got a pretty cool head sh main ship. That was just my point. I mean, it's a really, you know, in the outer rim. If I'm in anything, I wouldn't mind rolling heavy with the Star Destroyer in the outer rim. Oh, you hell are yeah, dude. Yeah, you got, to be it's, it, it's Mad Max style, right? Like, you got one of those yeah. Mad Max war buggies. Like, you're like, you're kind of like, a, you're just a tank fucking rolling around. 
Um, Freaking tractor beam. God, the tractor beam. I've been used that all day. <laughs> Just on random people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what's up? Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to be back in like a minute. Fill some time with um, what did you think about Mando's flying at the end versus TIE Fighters? That is some of the best maneuvering that we've seen in a while. And like, I know he, he does some crazy maneuvering all the time, but I really loved that idea. There were even parts of it that kind of felt like, okay, the TIE fighters are getting the advantage, but overall, um, you still got that crazy, like, like feeling of relief that you got when you saw the death star blow up. And I think that the fact that they can harken back to those feelings, like is a testament to how well they make it. Dude. And Mando, let's just give him his props. That guy's a master pilot. Incredible. Okay. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, he is a master pilot. He's part of the reason they saved the cargo ship. He's landed the Razor Crest that when it's barely limping through. And, you know, he, he's, got, he's a straight-up great pilot. Uh, I can't think of many more that have been better than him. Uh, and the Razor Crest is an extension of him. Like, it is his... He he knows every nook and cranny of that ship, man. Yeah, you you find that out when when he has to go out and work on the ship in the I think the previous episode I think or maybe the, it was two episodes ago. But you see how he's not just someone who's good at behind the seat, you know, in the cockpit. He's also great when there's trouble and he can troubleshoot all those things. It, it, he is like you said, kind of one with the ship. Yeah, and it's gonna be. Uh, and it was looking nice and clean and shiny uh, when he oh, was. Oh, you look so good. Yeah, when he was leaving, it looked it looked like a see. badass minivan, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's it, what's it, what's it going to hey, be interesting to see? Were sick. I can't believe I once asked if he had fucking guns on that thing. He was smoking those Tie Fighters. I love the sound of his guns. They're so yeah, they got satisfying. great sound effect. That's a good point. Um, what do y'all think about Mithral, our blue guy? I think he was a great. Uh, like just fall guy what for actor, everything like seeing uh that? grief kind of awful pun but give him grief was uh excellent <laughs> I like yeah, that he was like terrible i'm so sorry i liked it i liked it when he uh, you're right though i mean that was their dynamic i mean they were like three yeah, or four interactions yeah. like oh <laughs> i mean it's it definitely like an odd couple sort of feel well and we found out that the original bounty was the one that grief put on him to get yes. him back after he yeah. robbed him. Yeah, I don't uh, think we knew that. And then he like, uh, you know, he like wet his pants or like shot that mist that out was, of his gills when he so saw Mando. That, that, I thought that, that, that was a nice So that is, that, that is uh, what this show does every week. There's a couple moments like that, like the little piece flying off the ship when they jump to hyperspace, uh, a little tilt of the head here. It, it's just, they're, they're fantastic at those little comedic touches. Well, guys, I think we're getting in the end here. Uh, I will say though that I am so freaking pumped for episode five. Like I'm five's gonna up. be crazy. I'm, I'm gonna be up early, ready. early Friday morning, dude. It's do you gonna, think it's gonna happen? Do you think he's gonna team up with an X-wing squad at some point? Ooh, Mando. Yeah, or like the, they'll fight. Those I feel space. like that standoffish vibe that he got from his interactions <laughs> with them earlier is like a perfect setup for like a reluctant partnership. Exactly. Yes. Well said reluctant partnership for sure. I feel like it's coming. They, they've established this captain, uh, this, this new Republic captain quite a bit at this point. Well, they're probably going to have to partner the new Republic and the Mandalorian. Exactly. The are probably going to have to partner to retake Mandalore in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think that's a very good point. You know they're all about to be on the same team. That's kind of the vibe I was getting at the end with the with the other. You know they, the fact that they brought this uh, this New Republic kind of sheriff back in. You know it wasn't just a one off in the second episode. Once again, we think it's filler. We think it's kind of like not moving the story along. And we've yeah. got you know this guy show back up, and he may be moving a greater thread of the plot line along about these two joining forces because there's something really sinister and amiss going on. No, that's a perfect example of how you think this character is just kind of in it because he likes to cosplay at conventions and they're like, oh, we're going to give him a role because we like how he's a big fan. But now he could play a part in the eventual liberation of Mandalore. Dude, what if they went full Marvel Universe and General Solo shows up and it's Alden oh, Eichenreich? Bro. 
And he's like, hey, what's up? Guy? I mean, I, I don't know. Okay, oh, you're right. bro. Okay, it's over. It's <laughs> oh, over. The wow. podcast is over. But but you could. But you could, dude. I mean. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Another one in the books. Getting excited for episode five, the day after Thanksgiving, which which leads me to tell y'all how you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Everybody listening, I, I hope you do as well. Um, and, and take us out, Nick. Guys, I wanted to give a huge shout out to our guys, Tyler Patrick Hales. Uh, Dan at HBC underscore handsome Dan and at Kyle Acock 1983. Thank you guys so much for interacting on our official Twitter account at four Mandalore pod guys hit us up on that Twitter. We would love to interact with you guys. And thank you so much again for tuning into another episode of four Mandalore podcast. Oh.